Warning, the hosts of the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable podcast are not experts at Dwarf Fortress. However, from time to time they will have guests who are. This episode is one of those times. It's up to you, the listener, to filter out the host's chaff from the guest's kernels of wisdom. It's usually not that difficult. Welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things dwarfy. I'm Jonathan. I'm Roland. Hey, I'm Tony. It is February 28th, 2021, and we have a very special guest, Blind, here today with us. Hi, Blind. How you doing? Hi, I'm doing all right. A little bit early in the morning over here, but doing pretty good. I've got peppermint tea. I'm just hanging out. Yeah, so so we have, and, and please pronounce it for me, um, because I just read it and have all sorts of pronunciations in my head. How do you like us to refer to you? So I'm my username is BlindIRL. Uh, I used to be, I would just run with it all caps, but people would, like, for some reason, think the I is a lowercase l. Um, so I just kind of have given up at this point. Everybody pronounces <laughs> it wrong, but it's literally just blind IRL. If I could go on to Twitch and just, like, convince them to give me the username blind, I would. But the guy who's sitting on it plays Dead by Daylight once a year and refuses to sell it. So I'm just <laughs> never going to get it. I know it. what I've got. I know what I've got. Yeah. So that's how you pronounce it. Thanks for clearing it up. I, I was wondering, you know, if, if you were like, if your name was like Bob Lind and you're like, yeah, it's B Lind. I'm Bob Lind. Yeah. Um, that mean, was the direction I was going. <laughs> that would be way cooler, but no, <laughs> it's just blind. All right. Awesome. So, so what's, uh, so what's your Dwarf Fortress story? How'd you, how did you find uh, this, this gaming experience and uh, what compelled you to want to start streaming the madness? Well, I didn't start streaming with Dwarf Fortress. I've actually been streaming other things for the last seven and a half years now. But my streaming history is kind of different from my Dwarf Fortress history. I never had good computers growing up. My parents never had any money, and I never had a good computer. So in like 2008, I was running on Windows 98 still, um, playing old roguelikes. I was playing things like Moria. I was playing Age of Empires 1. I was playing like OG StarCraft without any expansions because I never got the expansions. I was playing, I was playing uh, Adom uh, and uh, just other games of that kind of sort. And I managed to scrap together enough cash in about 2008 ish, 2007 ish, to buy a laptop. Um, and I bought myself a, a crappy a Dell laptop and uh, started playing um, Counter Strike knockoffs because my parents wouldn't let me install Steam. So I started playing, uh, you know, um, a game called Crossfire. I was playing all, all these free-to-play Garena shooters and having having a pretty good time with that. And met a couple of people, eventually managed to get Counter-Strike installed on my computer in like 2008 and uh, started playing that. And um, I was always looking for games to play while waiting for people to be ready to play games. So I... I've, a friend of mine suggested at one point Dwarf Fortress, and I installed it and couldn't figure out what to do, and so I alt f forward, and then I uninstalled it. Um, and then roughly a year later, I did the same thing. Uh, and then in 2009, the great curse of the land showed up called League of Legends, and I started playing that with that same group of friends. And uh, every so often, my one friend who was way into it would be like, hey, you should try playing League of Legends in queue again, because I was playing, I, I can't even, I think I was playing like Minesweeper and Tetris and stuff. Um, and so I would install it kind of every six months. Uh, figure out, I figured it out to the point where I could generate a world. Um, 
generate a world and then eventually get frustrated and close it and then start playing league and then get mad. And so this kind of just like rinse and repeat for like five more years. And I would uh, occasionally like read stories and legends. Like I kind of figured it out to the point where I could like, you know, generate a world and like read in legends and stuff, but never really figured out either of the two main game modes. And uh, it just kind of progressed until eventually um, I started streaming in 2013 and uh, never did anything with DF there. I, most of what I was doing was modded old PC games because that's like my my repertoire. And uh, eventually it was like 2015 people started bugging me to do it and i just kind of said no <laughs> and then <laughs> like it, it was it was kind of a, a few consistent people over the years who uh watched my streams who knew that i had a history with the game but also knew that i never properly learned it and really wanted me to play it and eventually in i think it was about 2018 i, I finally just caved and just started streaming basically nothing but Dwarf Fort. Um, <laughs> it, it was just kind of like a 10-year a process, I guess. So I, I knew the game a little bit up until that point, but like if you go back and watch the original VODs I put up on YouTube, because I put up the first ones, like I was bloody clueless. Even though like I kind of knew my way around the basics, it was very much a, oh, well, here comes learning curve, let's go. It took me about two <laughs> weeks and I, I got it. Dwarf Fortress Everything. is the majority of your streaming now, right? Um... I'd say it's about 60%. I I mean, I stream a lot. <laughs> so it really depends on like what time of day you happen to look at my stream. Like it's very possible like someone could probably watch my stream every day and never actually see me stream anything else. But I I it's it's about 60% right now, I would say. And your streaming is is long form, right? You'll do is it daily that you stream uh, that are the long number of hours? Technically, every day of the week except for Fridays, although I'm taking today off because chat demanded I take another day off. So I figured out a way of making today completely work, like nothing but work. So I'll be editing most of today, I think. What tile set, if any, are you using on your live stream? So the, the first one I the first one I used, I, I just used vanilla initially um, for like the first week. Uh, mm -hmm. And because that's kind of what I like. Um, but... Enough people complained that I started hunting for a tile set and I'd been watching Craig Smash at the time. I took his tile set and I got my artist to edit it. I actually asked him initially. I was like, are you okay if I use this? Just sent him a DM. And he said, yeah, that old thing, do, do whatever you want with it. I don't care. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I just um, got my artist to make a bunch of edits to it and I've been using that. And then every time a new version comes out, we make a bunch of edits. And so it's just kind of become its own version of that, I guess. I thought I thought so. I thought that it was if it wasn't Krug Smashes, it was uh, based on it because it looks sort of vanilla, but then it doesn't have the smiley face dwarves, which I tend to always see. The reason I use that tile set and the reason I use a modified version of Krug Smashes is because there's a lot of people who have seen the NoClip interview and have seen Krug Smashes stuff and have never seen anything else related to Dwarf Fortress, so it looks familiar whenever they stumble on it. Yeah. And so you get a lot of people who are like, oh, I've seen this before. This, and it's to the point now where some people are actually surprised when that isn't vanilla because they just expect it to be the vanilla tile set, which I think is kind of crazy. Well, I think it looks so rudimentary and basic and still just like squiggles and dots that it kind of matches what people would imagine squiggles and dots would look like. So that when they actually see the real vanilla, they're just like, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Krugsmas is just, I mean, one 
teeny tiny tenth of a step away, I think, from the vanilla in, in a lot of ways, um, you know, because it, it's not really graphics and it's not really text. It's just somewhere sort of floating in between there. Um, so if I, I could I have can, vanilla and his dwarf heads, I would be happy with that. Yeah, I <laughs> think you can. True. You could make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is a world in which we live. That, that possibility exists. I mean, tile sets always, it's kind of the thing that people come back to. And um, I was talking to somebody, actually somebody I work with and, and about Dwarf Fortress. And he's like, well, I'm always a purist, but every time I load it up, you know, I look at it and it's just, it seems very daunting to figure out what the semicolon and the one fourth fraction means. And I just, you know, I was like, well, you can install graphics. And he's like, but I, but I feel like people say that's not the spirit of it. And I was like, yeah, I disagree. <laughs> I think the spirit of it is the game, not the way it looks. That's sort of my, um, that's my treatise on Dorth Fortress. Thanks for coming. Well, with the seam release coming up, the, <laughs> the spirit of it will be whatever uh, you want it to be, I think, because no, no kidding. There's, there's two, uh, generator approved versions of it now. So. I mean, the only reason why we haven't had any real graphics before was probably because Tody was more interested in actually coding than making sprites so totally and i think he's even said that in his um yeah in some, some way of he his, did yeah i think he said that when i met him at pax he said as much as that he said that uh, the the only reason the game doesn't have graphics and proper ui yet is they were funded and making ui is boring <laughs> that sounds right i mean if you think about it it's a totally different skill set you know He's obviously big into like the world building and the the deep simulation and you know how many arm hairs does someone have? Like that's I think that's what makes him tick. But so the idea of the minutia of trying to do some sort of, you know, UI testing and you know, integration with the rest of it and consistency, I could see why that would be really boring. Um, and yeah. so blind so blind IRLs for blind in real life, right? Yes. So, do you see uh, Krug Smash's tile set better than you can uh, make out uh, the vanilla? So, for me, it actually doesn't matter. Um, my right eye doesn't work at all, and my left eye is the equivalent of squinting while looking through a toilet paper tube. So, mm -hmm. the vision I do have is actually kind of clear. The problem that I have is actually more with graphical tile sets. So with ASCII tile sets, I have no problems, more or less, because I can just look at it and immediately discern, oh, that's just text, right? So it's static. It doesn't move. It doesn't have a ton of detail. But trying to like differentiate between a pixel art cat and a pixel art dog moving at high speed on like Space Fox or Mavs tile set, that's actually quite difficult for me. So... When stuff is moving, it's very easy to differentiate between a C and a D, but a little pixel art creature is difficult. Um, I can do it. Like, you know, I, I've, I can play pretty visually complex games. That's not a huge problem. Stuff like uh, Overwatch or Destiny gets to be a bit much. Uh, I completely skipped the new Doom because I just took one look at it and was like, yep, this would make me feel sick. And I, I just, just looking at this, I know I won't be able to discern it. Um, which is a bummer because I, I wanted to play that game, but um, it's it's the way a lot of uh, action games are moving these days. It's like throw stuff in your face and move really fast. And I so so for me, it's more of just a um, the ability to immediately discern something quickly. 
Yeah. And I think the 60 frames per second and better that they have, that makes me a little motion sick more so than the back in the day when we were talking about 35 frames per second with Doom. And uh, I think that the better graphics and the better, smoother sailing gives me more of a motion sickness uh, feeling than the old school did. I don't believe I've ever had a problem with stuff moving smoothly. It's more uh, FOV and stuff blocking the field of view. Like um, the giant gun on the right uh, is obnoxious, but like the old school gun in the middle or kind of more towards the center of the screen is less of an issue. Like I've got no problem playing something like um dusk for example where the, the the actual like gun model is quite small and you're moving just as fast and stuff's just as hectic and the frame rate's just as smooth but like because there isn't anything blocking your field of view it's totally fine like motion sickness wise but um it's it's the reason i gravitate to slower paced games like roguelikes and this sort of stuff these days and less of the old school first person shooters it's nice to you know to not have to need a you know, a GPU or anything for, for Dwarf Fortress to be able to truly enjoy a game, uh-huh. um, you know, without feeling you're not going to have the right hardware for it because, you know, you can't keep up. Um, and, and to be fair, nobody can keep up with Dwarf Fortress after a certain point. So <laughs> not even a, a cluster of the most powerful supercomputers in the world are going to be able to handle some of the stuff that goes on. Um, so your fortress that you're running on now, uh, it's called, it's called Long Death, right? I technically have two, but yes, Long Death is the big one. So that's been running for quite some time now, right? Uh, I could tell you the exact year count, but I want to say it's about 157 years in-game. Goodness yeah. me. We need to have you on last week when we were talking about uh, keeping the fortress organized, because... I'm lucky if I get one of the last 10 years before it just collapses under its own weight. Uh, so is, you know, to that, to that end, is there anything that you think you'd do better than maybe the general player on Fortress organization? Is there anything that you specifically do? Demolish garbage and give stuff away. I see very few people doing that. Um, yeah, so in long death, I'm kind of cheating. Uh, I, I basically looked at what, Sathatos did with Arch Crystal and was like, okay, how did you do how did you do that? <laughs> I'm not familiar with that. No, I don't know that either. So Arch Crystal is well, if you look on the Bay 12 Games forums, you can find it. I actually met him at PAX, ironically, as well, because he's from my city. Um, and just happened to be uh introducing himself to Toadie at the same time as me, <laughs> uh, which was interesting. Um, but he made a fortress which was 450 years old and a, a number of versions behind it. It took him six and a half years. Um, because its frame rate got so bad so quickly. And by the end of it, he defeated Hell and had a spire built of glass from the fun zone all the way up to the sky. And uh, there, there's a whole form thread on it. And it's essentially... Oh, you know what? I've heard of yeah. that. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and the way he did that was he set his dwarf cap down to 40 and never went above that. And... That's what I've done. So I've got my dwarf cap set at 51. Um, I think the most dwarves I had was 55 at one point, um, but it floats between 35 to 50. Um, we've stopped getting migrants from the mountain home for the last 40 years and because they they seem to be at war with some goblins or something. I don't know. I just I, I don't pay too much attention to them. And every single faction in the world brings us tribute um, every year because uh, we have a great protection racket going on. 
And uh, so essentially what, what I think that I'm, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm doing anything better than other people. Cause like, you know, everybody plays the game the way they want and there's plenty of right ways and wrong ways to play Dwarf Fortress. But I, the one thing that I'm very diligent about doing is whenever I overproduce something, I do, I just give it all away. Like I will trade as much stuff as a trade caravan can carry and then just either offer it or trade it for like a single gold bar or something or like a sock because I, I just need to get rid of it. And it's it, it like I have these massive stockpiles for crafts and old clothing that just get emptied out every single trade period and trade cycle. And whenever um, stuff starts to rot or there's garbage around, I will just smack like Adam smash stuff. I don't care what it is. Um, unless it's an artifact, though, those get coveted and put on pedestals. But everything else just gets crushed because it doesn't matter, and I need to get rid of it. Any like it's it's to the point where I've had like particularly large garbage piles pile up in my garbage room, and then like the frame rate will start getting a little messy, and then I'll literally just pull the lever to smash it, and it'll snap back like no problems. Huh. And the only thing that really screws up the frame rate these days are buzzards because their pathing gets a little messy. Uh, when they try and dive bomb your dwarves, but I've got like 50,000 constructed blocks to the point where like, if I try and load the block screen, the game will stop responding. I've got like 15,000 blocks of iron because I've found so much iron. I've got like just dumb numbers of materials, but it's as, as long as I don't load it in the stock screen, it's fine. Um, but aside from that, the game's been incredibly stable. What kind of hardware are you playing on? It's always a challenge to find something that will run reasonably well. The best hardware you can run Dwarf Fortress on is anything with incredibly high clock speed on a single core. Because Dwarf Fortress runs on two cores. Graphics run on one core, which uses like nothing. And then the rest of the game runs on the other core. Um, which is why like, if you'll have a particularly framey moment and you like hit U or something to pop up the unit screen, like it'll snap back and run just fine. No problems. It like, won't be affected by the game running in the background because the game's running on a different core. Um, but uh, so, so what you want is the fastest possible single clock speed. I'm using an i7-7700K, which is slightly overclocked and it runs like butter. Uh, before that, I played it on a uh, 4770K, which is a bit old and was definitely been That's put rough. through its paces. And it, it ran also, but like, you know, it certainly runs better on this one. You know, outside of that, it's just pretty normal PC hardware. But um, I know people who run Dwarf Fortress on like netbooks. It's just a matter of like embarking and setting oh your <laughs> setting your dwarf cap to like the the appropriate size, right? Like if, if you're okay with having yeah. 25 dwarves and playing on a two by two embark, like, yeah, you can run DF on anything. That as long true. as nobody invades you. <laughs> well, set your invader well, cap down. Oh, that's true. Like, of course you can set like, that Because like by default, the, yeah. the maximum number of invaders is 220, right? So just like scale that base. Yeah. And then also you can, in, by, by default, goblins only notice that you exist when you have 80 dwarves. So just drop that down to the point where goblins notice that you exist when you have 25 and then set your goblin cap to 30, yes. your dwarven cap to 30 and then the invader cap down to like 60 or something reasonable and then play the game. Well, it's it's pretty exciting because I think um, there's some big advances with single core because I've got a, an i9-9900 which, which does run it really well, but um, it's obviously no longer the champ. But uh, the new Mac M1 chip is is... is far as i'd heard unless yeah i guess the new intel 
I nine one nineteen or whatever one nineteen hundred eleven thousand nine hundred however we're calling Intel chipsets now. Um, I guess just only scrapes over the top of it, but uh, but yeah, that Mac chip is is incredible. So I, I would love to see a a native version of that because I think that would really be a a game changer for people playing this game cheaply. Yeah, because I think you could buy those machines for like a grand in the US. Yeah, and um, I mean, I have to admit that I'm trying to build a PC, which bad timing, but um, so I bought myself the newest AMD Ryzen nine. Um, and oh. I wonder what this beauty will actually be able to pull off when it comes to like, um, amount of dwarves and animals. Um, because, uh, currently I do have an i7 as well, and I, co- I can go up to 200 dwarves without, um, many animals. However, playing the, the, the fortress with like 15 dudes and very limited visitors as as well as invaders is such a eye candy because you actually got some frames to work with. Um, yeah. And I, I hope the new processor will like change that up. Wow. Yeah. A Ryzen nine that's, you know, depending on which one you got, those are, those are up in the top for single core nearing, yes. nearing M one. And since you'll be running windows on it, you'll actually be able to play the game. Um, and uh, yeah, well, I, I'm actually thinking of uh, getting myself the Linux version. And right. also, I'm I'm stupid, and I'm gonna buy a uh, customized water cooling system. Um, so I will overclock the processor, like almost from the very start. So um, yeah, uh, we will we will see. We will see. Also, I don't even need a graphics card. I just need a mainboard, yeah. some RAM, and I can already play it. Which is good because you're not buying a graphics card now. So <laughs> they're not. It's, that is not possible. Um, that is unless true. you're willing to pay twice the price or three mm-hmm. times. Now it looks like the price has gone up. Yeah, it's like three times. Thanks, crypto mining. My my 1070 is still doing just fine. <laughs> I'll just keep using that forever. Yeah, it's I yeah, I've got a 1080 and that's that. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's really I, interesting what that's doing to PC gaming because I was reading that some game companies were also kind of like thinking about slowing their release cycle of their games because what's the point of releasing the hot new 4K game if no one can play it because there aren't GPUs for did it. You, so Did you hear about yeah, exactly. it? It's an interesting thing. In, Nvidia making a line of mining specific cards that have no graphics out plugs. Uh, I've yeah. heard that that's yeah. possible, but I think as long as you can still mine with regular GPUs, they're just going to buy them all. So, supposedly, <laughs> they're just like the miners are like cool. They like I, over the last few days, I, I've seen news come out about how they're putting a firmware block into the RX cards. Uh, yeah, into to, the ten six or thirty six. Yeah, to stop them from being able cool. to mine. And like within a couple of hours, I saw a YouTube video pop up in my subscriptions on how to get around that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, well, okay. That was fast. Yeah. It's all we can hope for is that crypto is going to crash. So fingers crossed on that one. Cause that's how I got my 1080 last time was when crypto crashed. I was like, sweet. I can't get a GPU now. Well, I don't even have a 1080. I have a 90, 970X and um, it's like crippling at this point because I actually have to like work with that in the 3D animation stuff and using Blender and rendering things. I mean, I can work in Blender, but as soon as I hit render, I can just, 
you know, go for a walk for an hour or something. So that's pretty bad. Uh, and I hope to get my, my grabby hands on a good, good graphics card to change it up. Um, you might get we'll your, see. you might get your, your wish actually. Um, I was just checking. I was like, what are the crypto prices? Damn it. And I looked and Ethereum, which is what people are using the NVIDIA cards to mine. Was it 2000 a few days ago? And now it's down to, it's down to like 1200 and falling. So, um, there we I'm go. going to take us <laughs> way off track here with a quick little anecdote. <laughs> what are you doing? We were play- Come on. We were playing, uh, we were playing Scrabble the other night, and and we got the new Scrabble, diction- the Scrabble dictionary that has the official words in it. And I saw on the front that Bitcoin is now in the Scrabble dictionary. <laughs> and that really pissed me off because Bitcoin is a proper noun. I'm sorry. It's a proper noun. And, yeah, and so I said, well, is Ethereum in there? No, Ethereum's not in there. So you can play Bitcoin officially, but not Ethereum. See, really? freaking crypto mining's ruining Scrabble, you too. Can, can you mean, play is Litecoin? Wow. Is, is Litecoin in there? Because Litecoin's Litecoin. older than Ethereum. Is, is Dwarf Fortress in there? Is Dwarf just, Fortress in there? Well, yes, yeah, because Dwarf is in there and Fortress is in there, so yeah. Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> just couldn't put them together. All right, so all right, should back we just to, back to DS? <laughs> um, so okay, so let's talk about the old world versus new world. Should we should we yes. prattle about that for a little while? Because uh-huh. I know I've uh-huh. got opinions. Um, so how how old is all the worlds that you typically start with blind? Um, typically, two hundred to five hundred. Okay, long death year five. Yeah, boy. Yeah, that's really? Different. Yeah. So I I. I but in like the versus comment context, I think that it's silly to like fight one versus the other. I think they're like scenarios. If you start in a really young world, you get a lot of uh, a, a lot less uh, immediate activity, but you get to do things like make discoveries with your scholars because knowledge hasn't been discovered yet. So you'll if you have scholars in the library early, you'll get tons of books uh written about things uh and a, a, ah, a lot cool. more interesting things Let's like see. that like my scholars are still pondering various surgical techniques which gets kind of disturbing there was one time i my scholars were all pondering um mutilation just straight up just mutilation <laughs> and i'm just like what is wrong with you guys all right <laughs> time to the fire time for fire so clean 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 the library <laughs> i it's it, it's interesting the the stuff that they can come up with so i think from like a lore perspective it can be a lot more interesting to start with a young world also um especially if you want to f- like have david versus goliath situations you'll get a lot more giants you'll get a lot more ettons you'll get a lot more of those kinds of critters running around like right, the big things are still around yeah there's a lot of big things a lot of land titans uh that's when like you have your highest chance of getting multiple dragons um, easily unless they you know somehow manage to live for 500 years um, but uh, and hydras and all that sort of stuff um, but you know you'll see less of the were creatures you'll see less of the vampires you'll see less of that sort of stuff so for me it's more of a well what kind of world do you want your sandbox to be do you want a, a world full of giants and ettons and or do you want a world full of uh, ghouls and were creatures and experiments like what wh- depends on what kind of world you want to play in I guess that's a good point I, I hadn't really put too much thought into it um, and then was thinking that from a lore perspective it might be fun to have an old world because there's this kind of rich cultural 
you know, thing that's happened and there's all sorts of interesting stuff in legends. And so I started thinking, golly gee, that would be fun. But the, the, the thing I've noticed is basically the older the world, the more difficult it becomes because the undead are so unbelievably powerful. Um, like just trying to survive even short periods of time, you know, it'll be like two months in and you'll get a, an undead siege of like a thousand. <laughs> like, okay, well, wrap it up. We're done here. What version are you running on, Blood? So I'm running on, Long Death is running on 0.04. Um, so not the most recent, but the one from February of last year. Mm-hmm. And then everything else I'm doing is on 05. Whatever it went from a, uh... 4412 to 47.04. Did you notice a big change in the way that uh that your your dwarves uh personalities changed? A, a big big change in their stressing? Um I mean I've always found Dwarf Fortress to be painfully easy <laughs> when it comes to stress. Um mm-hmm. I've never found any of that stuff difficult to manage. So um I, if anything, the game's gotten easier over the last two to three updates. Um, because as Tarn said, when I talked to him recently that, um, he's fixed a lot of bugs. So like food works in 05 now, for example, but between, um, 12 to 04, there wasn't as much of a change, but something that I was noticing a lot more is like friendships. So it actually developed because they did the thing where like dwarves would cluster in taverns instead of just spread out. So instead of like the only way to have dwarves actually make friends and not go nuts was to like have tiny rooms everywhere so that they would actually like stand next to each other. But he just like made them clump up in taverns and stuff. And then they suddenly would actually like friendships worked. <laughs> it's like, what the hell? <laughs> um, you guys actually have friends now. Jeez, you, I can't relate to you anymore. What is this madness? Um, but like, <laughs> I, it's, it, it, so, so that, that was, I think kind of the one main thing that I noticed between those two versions. But I think the big jump is definitely between Oh four and Oh five. Because it's, it's just gotten a lot easier for the, uh, for the, for the management. Yeah. I mean, okay. like I have thousands of hours in games like RimWorld. I got a good amount of time in Nomoria. Um, not on stream, but I did play quite a bit of it. And uh, I, I've i got quite a bit of time in a lot of very difficult games. And Dwarf Fortress has always been one of those like, well, okay. Uh, w- once you kind of know all of the mechanics of how to actually keep your dwarves happy, and if you're willing to micromanage, which I think a lot of people who play Dwarf Fortress aren't willing to micromanage. A lot of people who play Dwarf Fortress, you know, that use Dwarf Therapist and DF Hack and just kind of like macro manage and dwarves need that micro um so i'll go from dwarf to dwarf and like actually like look at what they need and give them very specific jobs um i'm not quite as crazy as some people i know who like go into bedrooms and make their bed and like coffer and cabinet out of specific materials but like you can do that and so once you kind of do all of that and take very specific care of every single dwarf and um give them all the correct jobs and then like give them a decent amount of off time, which is, I think is something that a lot of people don't do. Like if you straight up, just give dwarves like, I don't know, two months to just kind of hang out and socialize the, they get a lot happier, weirdly, just like real people. And so like, if you can kind of give them what they want to do, plus their break periods, the game's been quite easy for a while. Um, I think 12 was, a little bit harder to do that because it was more about fortress layouts as well. So the the way to like keep them super happy, you'd have to give them really small rooms, pack them into a small space so that they'd make friends. Like I 
I, uh, another streamer who I watch had a, a running joke that he would create a air, air quotes friend chamber, which was just a, a tavern that he'd lock all the dwarves in for a month, which was just a two by two tile, and it had alcohol in it. That was it. It was just a oh sta- it, was just, it was just a um, like an infinite stack of alcohol and just a two by two chamber. He'd lock all the dwarves in there for like two days or like t- two months in game. <laughs> And they'd all be friends by the time they came out, or they'd all be dead. <laughs> one of the two, and so that that was always like kind of funny to watch. But it, it's it so it's it's now more organic, which I really like. But um, I, I'm very much anticipating better sieges because currently the game's a little bit dull, difficulty wise. Yeah, yeah, no, I have to agree with you because I personally like the micromanaging thing, and I've been getting into it more and more and more. And at this point, I'm actually, especially for my military, I've been handpicking dwarves, not based on what they can actually do, like whether they're good with swords or something, but I'm handpicking them based on their personality and their mm-hmm. uh, stress vulnerability. And at this point, I had a massive goblin siege of about a hundred goblins and many, many uh, animals attack me. And I only got a single dwarf to actually get somewhat sad. And that dwarf got removed from the squad, had to hang out in the tavern and do nothing for two months. And then I got him back into the squad and gave him master crafted steel armor. And now the dwarf is absolutely fine. Also, the, the friend chamber thing, I, I tend to do that anyway because, uh, you know, sometimes I just use the burrows and the, the civilian alarms to get them into the, into the tavern. My tavern tends to have some stockpiles of food and drink in them, and then I just lock the door. And so they, they have to, like, chill out in the tavern that is usually... Not very, it's not two by two, but it, it has food, it has seats. Um, I tend to have some beds in there for like the visitors, so they can actually sleep in beds instead of just on the floor. And when they come out, I had people marry after that. So amazing, because I tend to forget that dwarves actually can marry, can have relationships more than just having kids. If you don't do that, but if you do that, you, you you really realize that, wow, they do have relationships. They do have likings. Um, they can uh, kindle and rekindle love and they can actually marry. And that is so funny because it only happened like five times to me in my all my years. And it it is becoming more increasingly of a regular thing in my fortresses because I, I feel like I'm actually like do, doing the right thing. You know, when, when your dwarves tend to be happy and uh, don't, don't get absolutely crushed by like emotional baggage, then it's good. But I sometimes still have like buggy things going on or cleaning up sieges. However, I also get around that by only having the military actually clean up as well. Well, you can do all that a lot better Like whenever you have a, a, a population cap. I have not played with a population cap. I think I'm going to start doing that. Right now, my, my fortress is like nine years old, and it's got 100 and 
50 dwarves in it. And I don't know any of them really. So uh, yeah, there's just too many dwarves to even try to get to know any of them personally. Something I'd like to say based off of the marriages thing is in long death, all my original seven dwarves have died of old age, but or some of them died of other things, but most of them have died of old age. And I'm at the point now where their great grandchildren are getting married. Oh, that is so cute. (laughs) Whoa, that's awesome. It's kind of going to have to start playing with a pop cap. That reminds me of a mod that I would love to see, which is if you create a young world, build your fort, let it run, play it for 40 years, 50 years or whatever, and then retire it. I want a mod that would like fast forward time 200 years, just so you can see how things go and then maybe pick back up. At PAX 2019, during the Door Fortress panel, Tarn said one of his dreams for long term that would, because someone asked, it's like, what's one thing that you could do if you had unlimited time, but probably could never actually get it done? He's like, I want to be able to restart World Gen at any time and fast forward and rewind. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> See, that would be that would be the best. It's like, oh my God. That would be perfect. Could you imagine just have like a scroll wheel to just like scroll back and forth through World Gen? Oh my God. Oh, man. Yeah, let's let's clone Tarn, get a Tarn army, and then just put him in a like undying robot body, so he can become the Omnissiah itself. I feel like an, an <laughs> army of Tarn atoms would be very unproductive. I feel like they would just hang out and never actually get anything done. <laughs> You'd have to put them in separate rooms. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's true. And it's single core, so then none of the code would ever work. Hmm, this isn't great. Um, yeah, I just I just love the idea of it of it. I mean, I realize why it's single core just because so many of the operations depend on each other that you almost need to execute everything in order. So, i.e., you know, you can't really send things off to to separate processes because I guess it breaks things. So, I mean, I've heard that explanation really well. I would love it if, um, you know, if there was some sort of like a multi-core developer that just looked at it and was just like, look, we're going to come up with some way to optimize this code. Because I think that would that would be interesting to see what would happen. But hey, man, it is what it is. Hey, I gotta say that uh, that if our listeners haven't heard that interview that you did with with Tarn Blind a couple weeks ago, uh, they really need to get on out and check that out. That's the you know that may be the best interview that I've heard with him. That uh, you know they you didn't ask. I, I talked about this last week. You didn't ask hard questions really, but you asked questions that uh, that got to the point about the Steam release and. And uh, and it was just a great interview. Now I've I've heard two interviews that you've had with him. Have you had him on more than that? I've had three total. I have to dig for the for the first one. The first one was in June 2020. Can we just talk about how cool it is that the, it just like it's so cool that you can actually as a streamer interview the developer and have him on multiple times. I just think that's awesome. So I mean, hats off to Tarn for making himself available and doing what he does. It, it's something that I used to do a lot. Or rather, I, I I used to have developers on my stream quite a bit in the early days uh, when I played a lot of open source games. So I would just be like, hey, you worked on multiplayer code for this. Pop up and talk on this or whatever. Um, so like that it was actually kind of a regular thing on my channel. And then for a while there, I worked on a YouTube channel, which is now defunct, which had like five people working on it where that was all we did. Basically, it was like clickbaity reaction videos for video game trailers and then uh, interviewing developers was like literally all we did. And we grew that channel quite well for about a year until we all just kind of went our separate ways. Um, 
And so for me, it's just kind of something that I've always done. And it I, it probably wouldn't have happened if I didn't have the opportunity to meet him at PAX. So it's a good thing the pandemic didn't happen until 2020. Because if I missed out on PAX 2019, yeah. none of this would have happened. How long do you think it's going to be until he, until he implements pandemic code in the in the game? Do you think that's what he's working on? That's like... I, I, He's like, I've got this idea. I was talking about this with Chad the other day, and I would actually be totally down for it, but I wouldn't want like a disease to come through and wipe everybody out. Maybe, maybe like um, something that would just kind of happen in the background. You know how like uh, in Legends mode, you can look at it and it'll be like, oh well, um, th- this this city was having a wrestling competition, but you don't really see that in game, right? Like that, that's not something like the doors aren't going to organize a wrestling competition. Uh, in game, yeah. but like you'll you'll read about it in Legends, and that's one of my favorite things to see with demons, where demons will just like get bored being like a goblin overlord and like go to all the dwarven fortresses and take part <laughs> in all the wrestling competitions, and it's just like dwarf <laughs> fortress is actually just Dragon Ball Z in my mind, and I love it. But um, <laughs> when 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 they're when they're doing that, like yeah, I could totally see like oh like a maybe a particularly powerful goblin. Maybe the game just decides that a particularly powerful goblin sieve is too strong, so like a bunch of the them just die out mysteriously to a plague. Could be a world gen balancing thing, I don't know. Another thing that I kind of wanted to mention on the topic of moods that I don't see a lot of people doing is... When, when you have dwarves that are having trouble like either making friends or staying happy, something, and this is great also for frame rate for a reason that I'll get to in a second, is you can make guilds before they petition for guilds. And anybody who has that skill can go, and you can set them to open. So if you go into the location screen, you can actually like set their restrictions to open so anybody can visit instead of just guild members. Because if, if, you know, if you don't have that particular guild, no one will go there. Quite literally, like they can't go right. into that room. But you can set them to open so anybody can just go in and socialize and they treat them like another tavern. And if you have a dwarf who's, say, a particularly good crafts dwarf, they can teach them other dwarves in their crafting or like stone crafting or uh, gem cutting or whatever it is for that particular guild hall. Mm. And they get the exact same positive mood as actually crafting without actually crafting. Yep. Yep. It's very cool. Nobody does that. It's interesting. Does that actually increase their skill whenever they see uh, presentations? Yes. Yes. Yes, it does. It it is so good. You you can ha- you can have legendary kids before they grow up because they like I had a, a weapon uh, an almost legendary weaponsmith child before he grew up because he just hung out in the wep- in the smithing like um, guild hall for like the first ten years of his life. It is so good. Like guilds are so powerful, and that because I tend to make my doctors uh, scholars. Like exclusively, they do nothing uh, except for clean corpses, do doctor stuff and write books about doctor stuff. And then I make them a a guild hall to like talk about what they're actually doing, set it to open. So after a while, everybody in my fortress has some skill in like the the medicine field, which is great because when my doctors die, I still have so many uh, uh, like other people left. Ah, it's great. Really, you should try it. And everybody, um, like, okay, it's not like crafting because that doesn't give you a good mood by learning about it. But it's still something that I learn about, which is really handy when you lose a good legendary medic. You know, that's still good. Also, you get like a ton of good books. 
especially when your um, fortress is very young, like your world is very young, you get so many books. Like, oh my God. Great. I was just going to say, none of the books will be any good because they don't know how to write, but <laughs> it'll work. <laughs> it's like the, uh, the Amazon author store. Um, <laughs> plenty of content, but uh, it sucks. Burn. Uh, <laughs> all right, that was unnecessarily rude. Um, no, that that's really cool. Yeah, I I always was just thinking, you know, two fifty or higher. Um, and yeah, I started a, a, a year five world, and I'm like, wow, this is like refreshing. Um, people come to visit. Everyone seems pretty chipper. The other civs aren't fully fleshed out yet. Um, it's awesome. I, I'm kind of like, I'm all on young world train now. Oh, um, one thing I just want to add um, about the guilds that just came to my mind. This means there's an alternative way of actually training your archers. Yes, you just make a hunter's guild without any mm. hunters and then put your entire, like, your your archers. You're supposed to be archers. You make them hunters, so they just mingle in the guild and or you make it open and everybody becomes a good archer. It's great. I gotta say my archers have been doing wonderfully with my current fortress. I've since I've figured out how to do it, it's not been a problem. And yeah. uh, they're just kicking ass. Yeah, I've gotten better, yeah. I think, over the course of this show, actually. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I mean, yeah, same, but in this fortress that I have currently, my archers are being dumb again and not like using the the five thousand bolts I have. I, I well, know. that's a problem, isn't it? Yeah, and they don't equip stuff correctly, but, you know, that's that's a whole different story. <laughs> Make sure you have enough quivers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And soap. Uh, don't forget your dog soap. Yeah. So if nothing else that, uh, that I'm going to take away from this episode is that I'm going to cap my population and see if I enjoy my next fort uh, more for the, for the dwarven personality stuff. Yes. I usually do that for like 50 dwarves and soft cap at 100. So I have many, many children and basically a fort that is growing up while having a stable population of workers. I tend to have like 80 dwarves after a while, simply because of all the kids that are slowly growing up. So not only am I able to have stable military that is full-time active without actually missing craftsmen, but yeah, they they are happy because I can actually, you know, I can take my time with everything, a single one and like indulge their needs. I, I really wish that there was a popular prepackaged install of the game that came with all the tools that new players would like, but also set the dwarf cap down to like a hundred or something a little bit more yeah. reasonable so you still have fun show up but like a lower number yeah you mean like a like a lazy noob pack that that is built a lazy noob pack that's built for actual lazy noobs because i believe that the lazy noob pack <laughs> is kind of a kind of an inaccurate descriptor name for it because instead of like what it actually should be called is dwarf fortress advanced tools pack for mega builders because that's kind of what it actually is <laughs> it's, it's great if you're like building a mega project but like you don't need 80 percent of the stuff that comes with it for just playing df yeah. all you really need to just play df is a tile set pre-installed that's it 
Yep. It's like a Cleanout Devs uh, Caveat mTOR pack that he comes out with right after each release happens. Yeah. He'll he'll put one out whenever he gets a tile set built for a, a release before even the first DF hack alpha comes out. So yeah, Cleanout Devs great. Yeah. Well, should we do closing thoughts? Because yeah, I sure, got a hard sure. stop at the nine. Yeah. Um, so so blind. If uh, anyone wants to reach out to you, where do they see your content? Where do they get a hold of you? All that sort of I stuff. I think if you go to YouTube and type in Dwarf Fortress Steam, you'll find ninety nine percent me um, on YouTube. But if <laughs> if you just if you go to a like Twitch and look up B-L-I-N-D-I-R-L you'll find me if you go to YouTube and look up B-L-I-N-D-I-R-L you'll find me if you look up stupidskull.com but you have to type in the full HTTP because I haven't like actually set it up properly and couldn't really care to that also works <laughs> um, I think skullskullskull.zone used to work but I'm not sure if they fixed that um, <laughs> anyway So anyone else got anything they'd like to add on here at the end before we drop out for the episode? Nope. All right. All righty. Well, well, Blind, thank you so much for, for coming on here and chatting with us. It's been a blast. We'll have to do it again. And yeah, I uh, suppose until next time, this has been Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, and we'll catch you all next time. Rock and roll. Cheers. Bye-bye. This has been the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable Podcast. You can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com. Stop by and leave a message or suggestion in the comments section for this episode. While you're there, you can subscribe to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable or find us in the podcast service of your choice. You can find video content on our YouTube channel, and you can send us an email at urist at dfroundtable.com. That's U-R-I-S-T at dfroundtable.com please consider donating to the creators of Dwarf Fortress at Bay12Games.com. If you'd like to help support this podcast, you can find us at Patreon.com slash DFRoundtable. Music for this episode is from Filmmusic.io. Sky Cullen and Folkround are both by Kevin McLeod. You can find more from Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.io.